0: But this show will continue to help you understand the things that affect your health while looking for unexpected discoveries along the way. It will also explore thought-provoking ideas and questions, like this one.
1: Parkinson's disease has many facets, including motor and non-motor symptoms, cognitive issues, social and emotional aspects, and how best to get by in daily life and activities that one enjoys. Oftentimes, a person with PD finds him or herself visiting several health professionals, including physical therapists, speech-language pathologists, and neurologists, and can often feel frustrated when there is a lack of communication between the different disciplines within a care team. With a multidisciplinary team approach often found at Parkinson's Foundation Centers of Excellence, Healthcare professionals are specifically trained to help with all aspects of the disease and work together to make life easier for the person with PD. Teams typically involve movement disorder specialists, who are neurologists with extra training in movement disorders like PD, nurses, physical, occupational, and speech-language pathologists, and social workers. But other healthcare and allied health professionals can participate routinely or as needed. I spoke with Dr. Rob Skelly of the Royal Derby Hospital in the United Kingdom and asked him about the makeup of his team and how they approach treating their patients. What is multidisciplinary working as it applies to Parkinson's disease? And should it really be called
2: interdisciplinary? These people do interact, don't they? That's right. So the multidisciplinary service that we have at my hospital consists of a uh, consultant physician, a Parkinson's nurse, an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist. We have a a clinical psychologist, uh, a dietitian, and we also work quite closely with uh, a consultant in uh, all-age psychiatry and a consultant in palliative uh, medicine. So your question was about, multidisciplinary care and interdisciplinary care so uh, we meet regularly as a team we have a a meeting once a week after the main uh, clinic of the week that meeting where all the team members uh, gather and uh, discuss cases I think that really makes it an an interdisciplinary uh, service not all the uh, members of the team are there every week but certainly the consultant uh, and the Parkinson's nurse and at least one therapist is present. How do the different disciplines provide care over the course of the disease? When I talk to other people about uh, organizing a Parkinson's service, I often break the disease down into four stages. I think about the diagnostic phase, when the diagnosis is being made and, and delivered, and perhaps there are some issues there with uh, adjusting to a, a new diagnosis of Parkinson's. I talk about a, a maintenance phase where People are getting used to their medications, and things are usually going quite well for them at that point. Then there's a complex phase where uh, various issues are arising, maybe with mental health or difficulty with movements. And finally, a palliative phase. And I think um, in each of those stages of illness, it's important that uh, there are services available for
0: people with Parkinson's.
1: Here is a quick word from our sponsor.
0: Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show.
1: Is there evidence that there's better outcomes when you use this sort of approach?
2: There is some evidence from Holland that uh, multidisciplinary care for Parkinson's is more effective than care provided by a consultant neurologist. But I think uh, to say that the kind of care that we provide where we have a full multidisciplinary team, to say that that kind of care is better, I'm not sure that the evidence is there, but uh, we certainly have faith in that model.
1: What's the difference between
2: your full multidisciplinary team and, I guess, an abbreviated one? I think uh, the main difference from the ones that have been studied and published is the involvement of therapists, so a physiotherapist and an occupational therapist. I believe they are important members of the team and certainly add to the care that's provided. So uh, going back to one of the questions you asked me earlier about what the roles are of these people in Parkinson's and at different stages of illness, I think even in early stage, just after diagnosis, a physiotherapist, for example, can encourage people to exercise more and advise them on appropriate exercise And there's the increasing evidence that uh, exercise can be beneficial for Parkinson's and may even delay progression of uh, other symptoms. And I think uh, an occupational therapist can be helpful, particularly in the more complicated stages, when they um, can advise about difficulties with certain activities of daily living. So, for example, they can look at the way people manage everyday functions, like getting in and out of bed, making a (laughs) cup of tea, getting dressed, managing on the toilet, that kind of thing. Uh, An occupational therapist is very skilled in those areas. And they also uh, can help with monitoring of mood and assessment of cognition. So I think the full team really adds to the care of a person with Parkinson's. Does the full team get together on a regular basis? We have a weekly meeting where many of the team gather, and then we also have uh, team meetings about three or four times a year where we set aside a couple of hours to meet and discuss things to do with the development of the services. Even a good service can always improve, so we look at uh, issues with care and see if we can make things better for the people with Parkinson's that we serve.
1: Who's the band leader? Is there
2: someone who kind of keeps this cohesive and moving? I think if I had to pick one member of the team, I'd say it's the Parkinson's nurse who helps really coordinate things and keep people working together.
1: Are there potential
2: barriers to implementing a full team like you have? I think the way uh, care is organized will depend to quite a degree on the way that services are funded and that's going to vary a lot from country to country. So I think in the UK we have services provided by a national health service which is free at the point of delivery and is paid through a general taxation and I understand services are provided differently in other parts of, of the world. Certainly in, in most people that pay for health services I want to see the evidence of efficacy before they will provide funds for, for those things. So I I think it is important that research is done to help bolster evidence that this kind of model is effective and cost effective.
1: How does the patient interact with all these people? Do they see them as needed or see lots of therapists on every visit? And then what do the therapists do? To get together and discuss the case?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think our ideal model from a service provider point of view was to encourage people to see the physiotherapist, occupational therapist, nurse, and doctor all on the same visit. But we got feedback from our patients that uh, sometimes that was quite a tiring day for them, uh, particularly the more elderly people that were coming to the clinic. So we're quite flexible with that nowadays, and uh, we often break it into a two-day appointment. So uh, on one day, people have assessments by the physio and the occupational therapist, for example, and they come back then maybe a week or two later and have an appointment with the nurse and the doctor. The therapy assessments are then available at the second uh, visit, so uh, the doctor or nurse knows uh, what's going on.
1: You're in the United
2: Kingdom. Are these services readily available in most places? I think all the services I've mentioned, the different members of the multidisciplinary team, I think uh, patients throughout the uh, United Kingdom can access those services. But the degree to which uh, the services are are well integrated and and where teams uh, meet together, that does vary quite a lot from uh, place to place. And I would say maybe only uh, 15 to 20 percent of services in the UK are well integrated, like the service that I uh, come from.
1: You had mentioned the four stages, the first of which was diagnosis. So it sounds like the team approach
2: should start very early in the disease. I think that's right. And I think, as I indicated, certainly if early physiotherapy is something that, that we're very keen on. And for certain patients, particularly those who are maybe struggling to adjust to their new diagnosis, then support from an occupational therapist or a psychologist can be important too. All those team members are are important in providing education for patients and their carers, and I think information is power, so that really helps people if they've got a good understanding of their illness, which is, as we know, a chronic illness, an illness that's going to be with them for the rest of their lives. So it's really important that they have a good knowledge of Parkinson's, of the symptoms, of the treatments available, and the the people available to help them.
1: It sounds like their interaction... With the team would vary depending on the stage of the disease a lot at the beginning so they can get all the education. And then I would assume it drops off
2: for a while and peaks again. So how often should they see them or interact with them? So uh, we recommend that people see the team uh, at least once a year. Some patients uh, are seen more frequently than that, and there's a trade-off really to be made between being able to provide good monitoring. So for example, patients coming back fairly frequently every say three or four months or every six months, that's a a good service for people. And I think uh, people with Parkinson's would be reassured by that kind of monitoring. On the other hand, uh, we find that if we did that for everyone, if we saw everyone every three or four months, then when someone was in crisis and needed to be seen next week or tomorrow, then we wouldn't be able to see them because we'd be snowed under with uh, routine follow-ups. So, so there's a little bit of a trade-off to be made there. So we recommend at least once a year for monitoring purposes uh, and so that we can see people more urgently if that's uh, necessary. Is there anything important to add that we've missed? I would say from a perspective of a person with Parkinson's, it's important that if you're being looked after by professionals who perhaps don't work uh, very closely as a team, it's important that you become a team member and you help communication between the the other members of the team. So, for example, you can do that by um, keeping copies of reports and letters and showing those to other members of of the team that might not be up to date with uh, what's happening. So, for example, if a physiotherapist has seen you and recommended certain exercises, then that might be uh, relevant to uh, an occupational therapist who's seeing you or, or the consultant, the neurologist, or geriatrician who's seeing you.
0: Very
1: good.
2: Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you all for listening, and until next time.
1: This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.